Boys and girls, and welcome to episode 324 of the Motorcycle Men Podcast. This is Ted, your host, and here we are in the V-Twin Cafe once again, and we have another wonderful interview for you, as always. But before we get to that, Motorcycle Men Podcast is brought to you by Scorpion Helmets. Now, they're offering high-quality, innovative motorcycle helmets and technical apparel at an incredible value. So to learn more, you want to head on over to scorpionusa.com. And make sure you tell them that the Motorcycle Men Podcast sent you over. And, of course, Wild Ass Seats. That's right. If you're tired of those painful pressure points and going numb and things like that while you're riding, there's only one thing you should be doing, and that is contacting Craig Johnson over there at Wild Ass Seats and get yourself a cushion. So if you want to last longer in the saddle, I'm talking about riding now, you want to last longer in that saddle, you want to get yourself a seat. From Wild Ass Seats. That's wild-ass.com. And make sure you tell Craig Johnson, the real Craig Johnson, that the Motorcycle Men Podcast sent you on over there. And of course, as always, for the best in casual riding gear for men and women, there's only one place you should be going, and that is Tobacco Motorwear. Now visit them at tobaccomotorwear.com. That's tobaccomotorwear.com. And our listeners will get 10% off your order when you use the code MOTOMEN when you're ordering. So get on over there, get in Dave's pants, and you tell them the Motorcycle Men Podcast sent you, and they'll hook you right up. Now, your safety is worth it, so do it. And the Motorcycle Men Podcast is supporting David's Dream and Belief Cancer Foundation. Donate some of your cash to a great cause and see your money go to something that actually makes a difference in the lives that it affects. And, of course, the Gold Star Ride Foundation. If you'd like to be part of a great cause and get some heartfelt miles in, go to goldstarride.org and learn how you can participate in the next Gold Star Ride. All right, now, time for that interview with Nick Adams. And good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Motorcycle Men Podcast. I am Ted, your host, here in the imaginary V-Twin Cafe somewhere tucked in North Carolina. Joining me today, all the way from somewhere in Canada... Uh, our very good friend has been on the show many times before. Author, motorcycle rider, Moto Guzzi. I'm saying it wrong. It's Moto Guzzi enthusiast, Nick Adams. Nick, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Great. Good to see you again, Ted. Yeah, it's definitely good to see you. You, you had the uh, pleasure and or displeasure of being on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago when we did our uh, Motorcycle Men Jeopardy. And uh, you, you actually fared rather well. <laughs> it was purely by chance because I was pretty much guessing at all the questions. And you did rather well, though. It was a lot of fun. So uh, for those of you out there who don't know uh, who Nick is, um, Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, and um, your motorcycle self? Well, I guess the easiest thing is uh, I'm retired. I ride motorbikes in Canada mostly, although in Europe sometimes. Um, principally older Moto Guzzi's, although I'm getting lazy and soft and riding my uh, 86 Suzuki Cavalcade quite a bit <laughs> these last this last few months. Um, basically, I whenever I get the opportunity, I get out on the road on my bike, and then I write about it. And once I've written about it, I read it back to myself and record it, and then submit that to Audible. 
So basically, I'm I'm creating books for Amazon and Audible. Right. Actually, I'm creating wealth for Amazon and Audible, and not for myself. <laughs> well, I, uh, prolifically, I might add, because you, this is that this is what your ninth or tenth book, this new one. Oh, it's got to be getting up there. Yeah, most of them are motorcycle. Yeah, you've got related. seven motorcycle books now, and then you have four other uh, books as well. You have two fiction books. Uh, yep. And one hiking book, and then of course your archaeology, archaeology book. That's yeah, you you know that better than I do. <laughs> I've lost track. Well, we're here to talk about your new book, which is uh, that's an old bike where you hadn't. Um, yep. And so, why don't you briefly tell us about your latest book? Okay, well, that's it's uh, it's basically the story of my uh, cross country ride on my 1972 Moto Guzzi Eldorado this year. And it sort of started out in a weird way. I uh, initially started heading east without a single thought about going across the country in my head um, to look at some covered bridges in Quebec. But one thing turned into another, and the next thing I knew, I was up on the coast of the Gaspé Peninsula, which is as <laughs> as far east as you can go in Quebec, sort of looking out towards Newfoundland in the well, it would be in the far distance if you could see over the curvature of the Earth. Yeah. So basically, I was at the Atlantic uh, on that side. And that was back in April. And then a little bit later, um, after I'd had a chance to sort of recover a little bit from the cold, uh, I, I headed east again with no particular place in mind except going west, basically. <laughs> My wife asked me, where are you heading? And I said, oh, I don't know, Yellowknife. Um, but in, in the end, I didn't end up in Yellowknife. I ended up on the Pacific coast of, of well, Canada. On that note, where is Yellowknife in, in relation to where you live? Oh, it's still about uh, 4,000 kilometers east of where I live. Oh. And a good way north. So it's, it's up in the Northwest Territories. Wow. So it's not exactly, you know, just uh, like a ride to get bread. It's it's a little longer than that, right? <laughs> Wow. Now, with all the bikes that you have in your garage, you elected to use the Eldorado for this trip. Is that why? <laughs> uh, she's my sweetheart. Oh, yeah? Oh, okay. Um, all right. Is it a trust? When I got th- back, is, is it a trust thing? It partly a trust thing. I mean, <laughs> she she runs on points and carbs. Um, oh yeah, but I've good. had her so long now that I pretty much know most of her tricks. Oh, and if things go wrong, I can usually fix them at the side of the road or figure out some sort of workaround that'll keep me rolling. Oh, so, oh, so yeah, so you, so you seem more familiar with the Eldorado in and out, right? Yeah, I, well, I've, I'm, I've probably done close to a hundred thousand miles on it now. Oh, so uh, really? Um, yeah. Well, how long so have it's you? Getting, how long? How long have you owned it? I bought it in two thousand and eight. Oh, really? And how many miles did it yeah. have on it when you got it? Uh, just over thirty-seven thousand. Really? Dear. Wow. Okay. So you've you've given it some exercise over the years. Yeah, uh, I, it's, I don't ride it all the time. I've got other bikes that I ride as well. Yeah, but, uh, I know. <laughs> when it comes to long trips, it, it always seems to be the Eldorado that gets wheeled out of the garage. And you know, it's interesting of, of all the bikes that you know, I've in all your books because you, you 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 do write about riding all of them in all of your books, and but it's it's always the Eldorado that seems to see more dirt than the rest of them. 
Yeah. Um, again, because I'm, because I'm so, I, it's like putting on a pair of gloves that you've worn for yeah. years. Yeah. When I get on the bike and I just settle in, everything feels comfortable. It's got a low center of gravity and, you know, I don't race along the road, but there's, there's not too many roads that I won't go down on that bike. Well, that's in fact, well, that, that's impressive. <laughs> now, getting back to your trip. Now, you had said originally you you really didn't plan on being a cross country trip, uh, but and, and but I I found it funny in in your book that you you started out like you had said just to go photograph covered bridges. Uh, yeah. But it morphed into this totally other thing. Based on that, did you have a route plan or did you just wing it? Uh, I basically winged it. <laughs> the, the original idea was to sort of follow the southern edge of the Canadian Shield across, you know, going through Ontario, you haven't got a lot of choices. Right, that's You've true. basically got the Trans-Canada Highway and that's it. Right. But once you get to Manitoba and the, the prairies, there are lots of different options. And I was hoping to head up to the northern edge of the Canadian Shield and then go west to... Uh, Along the top of the prairies, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Right. Um, and then across into the mountains and wherever I ended up. But unfortunately, there were serious floods in Manitoba this year. And a lot of the roads that I wanted to ride on were closed. Oh. So I, I ended up having to sort of follow the main thoroughfares across southern parts of the province. Oh. Well, well for those uh, less intelligent, uh, such as I... Uh, tell us, what is the Canadian Shield? Oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's uh, the Canadian right. Shield is is the sort of classic um, Canada scenery of trees, not much change in elevation, thousands of lakes. It's the it's a, it's basically the the last remnants of an old mountain chain okay. that used to exist in the area, but they've been ground almost flat. Right, and it. It spreads in a sort of semicircle right across northern Canada. Oh, wow. So you basically followed that your entire trip west. That's what I hoped to do. <laughs> but in, in fact, I, I ended up having to come much further south. Oh, well, well, well I, knowing that you are quite fond of gravel roads, did you have much of that at all on your way to the coast? Not really. There were one or two roads in uh, British Columbia that I was able to ride on. Um, <laughs> one particular road called the, the uh, what's it, the Balfour Kelso Highway. Um, it's actually a, a named highway on the, in in the province of British Columbia, but it's a dirt road, and in places it's a dirt road that you'd be very wary of going down in many vehicles. Oh, really? Because it's <laughs> It's twisty and it hugs the side of the mountain, and parts of it get uh, taken out with um, landslides from time to time. And <laughs> it's it's just a great piece of road. Wow! But you you didn't feel a any apprehension whatsoever getting on these roads, did you? No, no, no. <laughs> you were in your glory, weren't you? Admit it. <laughs> I was. But you know, I have to qualify this by saying I trundle along at low speed. Yeah. Um. Just just bumbling along. Um, so it's, you know, there's no great danger in riding those roads on no. the way I ride them. Well, that's one of the things I appreciate about your books is that you certainly project the, uh, the notion 
that you're in no hurry. You know, you just want to, you're just enjoying the ride and you're enjoying the scenery and you don't particularly care if you get there fast or not. That, and that's what's, that's the great thing about just cruising. And you yeah. exemplify that perfectly in your books. No, thanks. Um, as far as it goes for your trip, I, and we're going to jump ahead just a little bit. Was was there any your least fond part of the trip at all? Did you have that? <laughs> least fun. Let me think. Uh, well, like I'd expect you, I expect you're expecting me to say when it was pouring rain and, <laughs> and, and heavy crosswinds crossing uh, crossing Saskatchewan and, and into Alberta. Well, did you have much of that? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, right. driving rain, um, all like twelve hours a day, kind of. No, rain. twelve hours, really. Yeah, but uh, you know, you get on a motorbike, you've got to take what comes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I grew up riding in riding in the rain in the UK. Um, I guess it just doesn't bother me that much. You know, you get wet, and after a while, you you start just getting on with it there's no alternative <laughs> what are you going to do sit at the side of the road and sulk yeah, yeah, yeah right that, that that gets you absolutely nowhere <laughs> yeah well i have a quick question for you. do you do you use any like tracking software you know, like uh, rever or eat sleep ride or anything like that to track your ride as you go along no no see because this no. way if you did people could actually follow you on your route well or, or repeat your route that's interesting. That's true. Yeah. There might, be, there might be two or three geeks out there that would do it. I'm sure. And I don't know that they'd be doing it on a 72 Eldorado, but I'm sure there'd be people out there who would love to do it. Um, now, based on the title of the book, uh, wh- you know, as far as it goes for, you know, that's an old bike where you're heading. Was that the general reaction to the Eldorado? Pretty much, yeah. Um, people don't, don't often see what is obviously an older bike. You know, covered in gear with, and I had a tire strapped on the back uh, for most of the trip. Um, so it's obviously, it's obvious you're going somewhere. You know, I suppose they could have thought I was a hobo and just living off the bike. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. you know, people are naturally curious, and and bike older bikes particularly uh, are real icebreakers. People, um, both motorcyclists and non-motorcyclists, seem. Uh, as if it's a license to come up and talk to you just out of the blue, oh, which is great. Absolutely, it is. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, that's it's. I, I find that very interesting, especially when you have an old because you don't see that often, and I think that's what the icebreaker is. You you don't see, you don't see 1972 motorcycles on the road that often, and if if somebody has one, it's probably in a garage somewhere or in pieces. You, you never know. <laughs> well, mine are often in pieces too. <laughs> uh, yes, as a matter of fact, that's, that's actually quite true because I've seen some of your pictures. Um, how did the bike perform on the whole trip, though? It was fine um, most of the time. There are always one or two little things that surface. Like I, it's a constant running battle with exhaust leaks on that bike. Um, the way Motoguzzi designed it, the the exhaust headers. Uh, clamp into the cylinder heads with the big with uh, clamps that have big screw thread on them and over years the the threads start to wear so the the clamps get loose and then they back out a little bit and the next thing you know the thing's blowing exhausts uh, out of the sides of the clamps rather than down the down the pipes now one of the things i was that always got me about motoguchi's is they got they got 
they're that, that now is that a, considered a V twin? Yes, it is. And, but it's a ninety degree V twin. Ninety degree V twin, and it's mounted sideways, basically. So now you got these big cylinder heads sticking out of the sides. You know, of course, on an angle. Uh, I don't know, and I'm not asking this question because I don't know. Do the does the exhaust come? What side does the exhaust come out of the heads? The exhaust comes out of the front of the heads. Out of the front, so it wraps right back around again. Yeah. Wow. The, the, the exhaust pipes are nowhere near your your, your right. body or your feet. Ah. They're tucked right in. They're out of the way. It's oh. never an issue. Does the, and, and you get a lot of heat from from the uh, from the heads? So, astonishingly, no. Really? Um, yeah. They're. They don't. Um, they don't generate. Well, I guess the modern ones with uh, catalytic converters and such like generate quite a bit of heat. But the older bikes um, don't seem to generate much heat at all. I can usually, even on a hot day, put my hand on the cylinder head as I'm riding along. Wow. And, you know, leave it there for a few seconds without getting a second degree burn. Oh, well, that's a good thing. Uh, when did you? Uh, you obviously you brought the tire with you. Did you have to use it? Yes. By the time I got to Vancouver Island, the I knew I set out with a tire that was only oh only uh, had a limited life left in it, so I knew I was going to have to change it at some point. <laughs> so when I got to my friend's place in Vancouver Island, I decided to uh, to change it there oh, wow. for the rest of the journey and the journey back. Wow! Well, now with let's let's talk about the landscape a little bit with regard to that. Um, how did that enhance or diminish your travel? Because I know there was a varying landscape along the way, and yeah. I'm sure that you, you sure I'm sure you saw it all on the way. Well, when you go through northern Ontario, uh, you're passing through a world of sort of rocks, trees, and water, mm-hmm. uh, lakes everywhere. Um, you go around Lake Superior; um, it, it's just endless forest and rocks, and yeah, it's a beautiful country. Then when you hit the prairies. Uh, you're into literally f- dead, flat farmland stretching on for miles and miles and miles. As you get a little further west, you start to get a little roll to the country into the, the, the western prairies. And then all of a sudden you hit the mountains. I mean, they, they literally just sort of jump right up at, out of the ground, it seems. One minute you're on a flat plain and the next minute there's, you know, 9,000 foot mountains ahead of you. Well, did you have any uh, steep climbs to go over with the bike? I went over quite a few passes. I think the the highest pass was on the Icefields Parkway, and that was over 6,000 feet. Wow. wow. But uh, I think through, uh, oh, was it the southern route in BC, it's over 4,000 feet. And then um, there's another pass in northern BC that I went through, again, about 4,000 feet. Now, did you notice a change in performance of the bike as you were going through those areas? It didn't seem to make any difference. Really? Yeah, okay. it really didn't. Uh, you know, everybody talks about having to adjust the carburetors to deal with, you know, changes in the atmosphere and such like. It didn't seem to make a scrap of difference to the Eldorado. I, I see. I would have thought that that w- would have made a big difference in, in that. But, uh, wow, that, that's great. Um, well, you, you have to understand, I'm I'm not terribly sensitive about these things, so, <laughs> so I may not have noticed. Is that right? So it may have been choking, and you would never have known, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no. It it actually it actually pulled up those um, those passes effortlessly. Oh, well, that's great. Now, uh, yeah. um, with regard to your uh, 
uh, your lodging. Did you camp or did you uh, attempt more civil lodging along the way? <laughs> I, I camped some of the time. Oh, you did? Yeah. The weather was uh, so awful going across the prairies that, of course, I chickened out and used my towel. <laughs> um, now, how was the camping, though? Did you actually go to campgrounds or did you just, like, pull off the side of the road and set up there? Uh, off the side of the road. Really? Um, once um, around, the, around the coast of Lake Superior. Um, I did stay in a campground. It was sort of like a commercial trailer park type campground yeah. in British Columbia, which was ghastly, but it was okay for one night. Um, where else did I camp? I camped a couple of times more. I can't remember. See, that's the trouble with getting old. <laughs> <laughs> you go to visualize in your memory what you were doing, and, and all of a sudden there's this sort of great big vacant space there. Okay, well, I, how, well let's, let's start this way. How long was the trip? I think I was away 18 days. 18 days. So from I'll see you soon to honey, I'm home was 18 days. Yep. Okay. So of those 18 days, how many days did you camp? Uh, one, two, three. Wow. Okay. Uh, one, two, three. There's got to be more than that. Oh, I must have, I must have been getting lazy on the way back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you want you're tired of tired of uh, sleeping in a tent, I guess. Well, no, I, actually, I love sleeping in a tent, but you know, if if it's if it's cold and wet, then uh, yeah, I, you know, I'll I, be looking for a motel. Yeah, of course, you know, you want the good old hot shower, and you know, you don't want to put stuff away wet and all that. Uh, yeah. I, I I do have another question for you, and I know that I didn't I didn't warn you of this one, but I'm gonna have to I have to ask now. Tell me. What is it with Tim Hortons? Is that, is that an addiction or something? Because <laughs> you speak of it a lot in your books. <laughs> yeah, I probably should go for sponsorship. <laughs> it's Tim Hortons coffee shops are in just about every little town in Canada, sometimes more than one. Okay. Basically, if there's a gas station, there's likely to be a Tim Hortons. Um, and they're just, I, I guess they're like Dunkin' Donuts or okay. you know, right. something in the States. It's a they're a, a coffee shop chain that sell um, you know bagels and and um, donuts and that kind of stuff. But the beauty of them is you can roll in there soaking wet off a motorbike, or you, you've been cleaning sewers out as a workman, or you want to have a, me a a meeting with your client in your business suit. Everybody fits in. There's no there's no dress code. There's no you know, you won't be looked at strangely by anybody, however right. you arrive. <laughs> wow. So they're sort of very egalitarian kind of place. So, yeah. So, so I guess we we can say addiction, right? We can say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the addiction is um, when you're cold and wet on a bike yeah. and you want a cup of coffee and, and a place to warm up, yeah. there's likely to be a Tim Hortons. Well, it, next. It, is there coffee good? It's, yeah, it's fine. It's, oh. it's good. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's. It's okay. Nothing it's to write. Nothing fun. to write home about, right? <laughs> but it's good. Okay. Well, I'm not. Again, you know, I'm not terribly fussy. I'm not a connoisseur of coffee. But. <laughs> you know what? I just I learned because because you you've spoke of the place so much that I actually went on the internet finally and I looked up Tim Hortons and I didn't know this, but they actually have places in the U.S. I, didn't I think know actually it's an it's a U.S. company now. Is it really? See, I didn't know yeah. any of this. So, yeah, Tim, Tim Horton was a, a hockey player who uh, started it as a side business. 
and develop them across the, the company develop them across the country but i think yeah they were taken over by wendy's or and who knows who the who who owns them right now. right oh okay well I, well, should I? I don't know that I'll ever come, but should I come across one, I definitely will go in and have have a cup in your honor. That's for sure. <laughs> well, so you can always come. You always come up to Canada. I can. I, I could do that. And but, you know, now that I'm in North Carolina, it's significantly further away. But I, I guess, suppose I could make it a trip. I would have to definitely do it in the summer because I am not a cold. Well, I shouldn't say I'm not a cold weather. Right? I have ridden in the cold. What am I saying? Um, but. Um, I, I, I profess to be somewhat of a fair weather rider. If it's raining, I won't go. <laughs> so, but I, that's not to say I won't. But I, I'll go kicking yeah. and screaming, but that's okay. Uh, getting back to the trip. So now you've arrived at the West Coast and you're there. Was there elation or was there a bit of melancholy that you've made it that far? Uh, it was just, yeah, right. That's that done, man. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I would ask the same. Does that apply to when you got home? I would think that would be something a little different. Oh, I'm always, I'm always happy to be home. You know, you know how it is. Yeah. Um, especially on the last few days of a of a longer ride, yeah. you sort of get feeling right. You know, I'm on those last, I'm on the last run. I'll maybe do a few more extra miles today. You know, just just to get home in good time. Yeah. And do you ever like uh, you, you you know you're an hour from home and there's this really cool road and you decide to take the cool road or do you just keep going straight to home? Oh, I'd keep going straight. Oh, really? So yeah. <laughs> okay. What was your favorite part of the trip? I think um, riding between Lillooet and the ferry in Vancouver Island. Lillooet's a little town, um, sort of. How can I? In the mountains in in BC, it's actually right on the very uh, east side of the mountains, where you're in the rain shadow. You know the the rains come in from the west, right. drop their load on the west side of the mountains. Right. And by the time to get they get to the east side of the mountains, uh, they've got nothing left. So it's sort of almost well semi desert. Right. Uh, but from there down to the uh, the ferry dock in Vancouver Island is the most magnificent road. Um, the name of which escapes me momentarily, <laughs> but it's it's just fabulous riding. It's you know you're hemmed in by the mountains. You're following a little creek for miles. It's twisty and turny, and and you, you know when you get up to the top of the pass, there's snow on either side of the road, and it's just incredibly scenic and beautiful riding. Oh wow! Did you encounter any snow at all on the trip? Uh, yes, a little bit on the Icefields Parkway. Really? Um, that's a road that runs down the spine of of well between ba Jasper and Banff. In uh, I guess it's in Alberta. Anyway, it's it's mountains all the way. And at wow. one point, when we got up to the top of the pass, there was quite a little bit of precipitation. There was semi snow right was there know, any was there any snowpack on either side of the road oh yeah oh, really? oh yeah okay yeah so what what were the as far as it goes for the riding temperatures now of course when you're at speed and you're traveling i realize there's a wind chill effect going on there but the ambient temperature what was it oh some days it was gorgeous uh, you know it was almost jackets off kind of weather oh, on, a okay. few, on a few days but then there were other days where it was mm -hmm. I don't know, 
pushing 40 uh, Fahrenheit. Really? Actually, there were a couple of days where it was, well, certainly on the Gas Bay part of the trip. Yeah. Um, a lot of the days were below freezing. Wow. But once I got over to the west side, there was, it was really only the, through the Icefields Parkway where the temperature was down approaching zero. Ooh. Freezing. 32. That's, so you have to switch back well, and forth. Yeah, I get that. I, 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 do, I do know that zero is 32 degrees Fahrenheit. I get that much I got. So I, from there, I go, if somebody says it's you know 20 or 30 degrees Celsius, I go, that's pretty freaking warm. You know, so I understand <laughs> that yeah. much. I learned all that from watching the Tour de France, so it's good. Ah. <laughs> so, uh, what's next for Nick Adams? Another book? Another trip? Uh, I'm close to finishing another book on uh, my 1960 Panther, or actually, actually, my life with Panthers. Panthers, an old British uh, motorcycle company that went out of business in 1966, but had been made making uh, motorcycles. Oh. Gosh, since God was a young man. Wow. <laughs> I guess that's a long time. <laughs> so um, this particular bike, it, it, although it was made in 1960, the engine really was designed in the 1930s and hasn't changed much since. Oh, no kidding. And you have one of these. I have one of those, yeah. Um, oh, is and that as, a, as, a, as a teenager, I had two of them in Britain. Oh. So it's, it's sort of a lifetime's... Um, fascination with this particular brand of motorcycle um and i now we're gonna we're gonna talk about your youtube channel in a second but uh is this the panther is this the bike the uh, the red bike that has yes. this that has the speedo on the headlight yes that's the one that's the one yeah that bike sounds so bizarre to me when <laughs> i hear it on your youtube videos i think it's it almost sounds like it's from the 30s and it's yep. like, like like it sounds like a like a Model T, just going chugga 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 chugga. That's it's exactly what it sounds like to me. <laughs> but yeah. you seem to get great pleasure out of that bike. Oh, it's 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 a bone shaker, and it's you know it's it's slow and it leaks oil and oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> how many? Well, I'll I'll ask. How many CCs is the engine on that thing? It's a six fifty single. No kidding. It's yeah, that, but the it, with a flywheel that's I can't remember what the weight of the flywheel is, but it's it's built like an old diesel engine, you know, so that once the the momentum through the from the flywheel, well, to cut a long story short, they they were basically designed to haul a sidecar, so they got huge amounts of torque, and not much speed. And you don't have to really shift that thing, do you? No, no, no. I, I, if, once I'm in top gear, uh, I'm very reluctant to change down again. <laughs> <laughs> so you may get down into third to go around a sharp corner, but uh, you know you just chug, 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 chug your way out. Now I noticed on, on on well on the certainly on the Panther, I don't recall on the Eldorado, but uh, you you you're not m much of a windshield fan, are you? Uh, no, not really. I, I find them noisy and, uh, it's a rare windshield that you can get that, that leaves you without any buffering. Yeah, buffeting. That's, that's true. Buffeting. Yeah. Buffeting, they call it. Yeah, I guess. Buffering is on the computer. Yeah. <laughs> Which we can get sometimes. But, <laughs> um, uh, well, let's talk about, let's, let's talk about your YouTube channel. Uh, what, what made you decide to start that up? 
Well, what's the name of it? Oh. First of all, what's the name? It's, what's the name of your YouTube channel? Jeez, uh, I think I it's know. just Nick Adams, isn't it? I think it is just Nick Adams. Okay. Yeah, but if if anybody types in Nick Adams motorcycle or Nick Adams motor goodsy, they're bound to find me. Okay. If they just type in Nick Adams, they'll probably get all sorts of Trump mania and uh, right wing <laughs> politics. Yeah, we're not about politics; we're about motorcycles. So, yeah. so they'll do that. But I'll put I'll put links. I'll definitely put links in the show notes to your uh, YouTube channel. But uh, yeah, tell us what what prompted you to decide to start a YouTube channel. I don't know. I just you know I was doing things on my bike, and uh, it seemed a natural thing just to take a camera along to record some of the road and. Yeah some of the fun of, of being out on a bike on your own in the middle of nowhere. And uh, so I started the channel and I just keep pumping stuff in there. People seem to like it. Yeah. Not in huge numbers. I mean, it's, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a, a, a niche market. Yeah, of course. But, it is. Uh, you know, you know, 50, you know, maybe 10 years ago, there was maybe, you know, uh, maybe a dozen guys on gals on motorcycles making YouTube videos. And now yeah. there's, thousands you know so but your your videos are interesting in that some of your videos just have absolutely no speaking whatsoever yeah i kind of like those uh i realize that there are people out there who like me who will quite happily sit and watch as if they're sitting on somebody else's bike going down the road yeah. just uh you know first person yeah so no music no commentary if if you can capture the sound of the engine without too much wind noise, right? That's fine. But it's it's um, unless you've got decent gear, it's it's hard to um, to get decent sound. Oh, you do okay though, Ted. Ah, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> not about me. It's all about you. <laughs> <laughs> but do you get do you get a lot of hits on those videos where you don't uh, talk at all or anything? Do you get a lot of hits on those? No. I mean, in the in the hundreds generally. Oh, that's not too bad. That's not, you know that's that's nothing to be you know shameful of. I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty good. It's far more yeah. than I get. Well, let's see. I'm, I'm, at, I'm at your channel right now. You have uh, two thousand and two, well, uh, two point two k thousand subscribers right now. Yeah, that's, that's not amazing. bad. That's 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 good. Now you call, now you yeah. call your videos without talking slow TV. Can you explain yeah. that? I I don't know where that. Uh, name comes from it's just something i picked up from watching other videos i mean i came across one where uh they were recording the the uh the passage of a barge one of the canal barges in england on the canals and it was hours long really <laughs> it was, yeah and there was, there was nothing, absolutely nothing happened um but i guess it's like watching fireplace tv I suppose, you know, yeah, yeah. Just some sort of <laughs> flickering movement in yeah, front of your eyes. <laughs> well, uh, let's, uh, actually, if you're real, anybody's interested, hit your latest video, uh, which you put away, put out, you put out two weeks ago, uh, was you riding your 1960 Panther on back roads. No music, yep. no sound. You call it slow TV. And right now, at this moment, you have 459 views. Yeah, that's pretty slow. <laughs> <laughs> Your, the video you had before that. Now, now I, I understand. You know, come. You know, when you compare stuff like this to like itchy boots, you know, you, yeah. you, you go, you go, yeah, what, so what. Yeah. But speaking from terms of guys like you and I, 
when you have 759 views like your last Panther, you know, video did, you go, hey, all right, improving. You know, yeah, the number of people that firstly know anything, know that Panthers existed. Yeah. And secondly, are interested enough to watch is a pretty small number of people. Ah, well, you know, oh. you're, get, you're getting people to watch and that's good. And that's, I, that's impressive to me. I, I, I think it is. You know, you're talking to a guy who has, you know, gets 25 views on one of my videos so I, whatever <laughs> it's something right um and the video i did of the um my cross canada trip uh i think is running at th over three thousand now so that's that's pretty good yeah uh let me see yes oh right, yeah 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 you're up there yeah 3.4 1.5 was the first one 2.5 yeah you're, you're 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 cracking up some numbers there very nice well, you just got the ones you go. When are you gonna put your next one out? Do you? You don't have a schedule when you put videos out, though. Do you? No, you no, just, I just, whatever. I, well, I, I, you know, I don't want to have to sort of be hunting for something for content. Right, you know, that's true. I, yeah. If it's something I want to want to show people, then I'll do it. If not, I won't. Yeah. Well, you you have no shortage of dirt roads in your area, right? No, it's quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You, know, you have plenty of plenty of places to go ride. You could definitely share yeah, those with them. Sure. Yeah. Although they, they all tend to look the same through the video. You well. know, tree, gravel. <laughs> you know what I'm impressed with? You're using older generation GoPros. Yeah. And that you're producing great videos out of them. A little shaky, some of them. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I have a generation one, the very first year they came out. That's what I have as one of yeah. mine and it, it's okay it's been relegated to the handlebars and that's where it stays you know but you know what i've i've watched enough of your videos to know that the footage from that even that early gopro is still pretty darn good uh, yeah and i may not be 4k but it's it's no. crisp and, and yeah. the colors are good and that thing even flew off my handlebars once yeah and hit the pavement and it still works fine so yay gopro you know? yeah <laughs> so, sure. so what's next for nick adams what's coming up uh, well, actually, I'm just packed now to go off to the annual Moto Guzzi Rally, the, <clears throat> the Ontario Moto Guzzi Rally, oh, wow. which is up, up in Levine, which is uh, sort of a few hundred miles north of Toronto. Wow. That's just a weekend thing. Okay. Um, but when I get back from that, I'm going to see if I can go on a little panther trip for a few days. Mm -hmm. I have this perhaps stupid idea that i'd like to ride up to james bay on the old panther oh it's a trip that i've uh, done many times before on different bikes but not on a 60 year old bike yeah. that's, uh, <laughs> that's possibly a little temperamental <laughs> I, i'm looking for one last chapter before i finish off that book and that seems an, an ideal uh, sort of <laughs> Break or <laughs> you need a you you need a, a nice a nice adventure to close that one out, and it's got to be with the with the Panther. You got to do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Why not? And if the bike breaks, that's just all part of the fun. That's all part of it. What are they? They don't call it an adventure if anything if nothing goes wrong. Is that was that's that? yeah. that's the way I look at it. Yeah, if you nothing know, goes unless you stopped at the side of the road doing something with your bike, yeah. you're not really having any fun. <laughs> of course not. You know where you should go. Many 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 years ago, uh, I flew into Goose Bay. Yeah, you know where that is, right? I do. I've been there three times, and that's that's way up there, isn't it? It's getting up there. It's Labrador, yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe you need to take the Panther up there. 
that that might be a little adventurous for the Panther, but who knows? Yeah. Maybe this uh, James Bay run will be the trial <laughs> trial run. Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't want to be the one uh, you know responsible for that 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 bike you know maybe making things difficult for you. <laughs> you know, do this trip, Nick. <laughs> it's Ted's fault. <laughs> the biggest problem with the Panther is it uses almost as as much oil as it does gasoline. Oh, yeah, that that would be bad. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, don't want that. So, you got any advice for any would-be motorcycle travelers who care to traverse Canada? Uh, take it easy. Don't. There's a tendency when you're doing a big cross-country trip like that, and I, you know, it's something I fall into myself from time to time of setting your sights on some distant place and just riding and riding and riding and not taking the time to explore um, where you are in more detail. Mm. And I think that one of my biggest regrets of this last trip was that I did end up doing that as I was going through the prairies. You know, everybody says, oh, the prairies are boring. You know, you just you, you just want to get across them to the mountains. But in fact, there's you know there's a lot more subtlety and interest to every area if you take the time to uh, to just settle down and explore it a little bit, rather than rather than racing across. Sure. So yeah, take your time. Stop and smell the roses. Exactly. Right. And right, stop at Tim Hortons every time. <laughs> yeah, stop at Tim Hortons. <laughs> of course. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by Tim Hortons. <laughs> Where Nick Adams goes. Well, Nick, I want to thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always, having you on the show and talking about your book. It's been absolutely wonderful. And uh, I hope to be talking to you again soon about your next adventure. Well, I hope so, Ted. That's uh, it's great. This has been super. And uh, as, as you say, always good to talk to you. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself and ride safe. All right, hang around. Thank Don't you. go anywhere. We'll talk to you. Thanks for joining me and Nick here on the Motorcycle Man Podcast, where we learned all about Nick's new book, That's an Old Bike. Where are you heading? You can learn more about Nick and his books by going to nickadamswriting.com, and there will be links in the show notes, and also I'll give you links to his YouTube channel as well. So don't forget to check that out. All that information will be in the show notes, and of course on the Motorcycle Man website at motorcycleman.us. Don't forget to go on over to the Motorcycle Man YouTube channel, well, actually, it is in the Motorcycle Man YouTube channel. Well, yeah, it is. You can go over to the Motorcycle Man YouTube channel and watch our videos of our shows where we do our Motorcycle Man Jeopardy. And, of course, you can also see this interview as well. Uh, there's also things on there. You can get over to the Ride with Ted YouTube channel and watch the videos of me doing rides and fixing my motorcycle and other goofy stuff. Um, so, that's it for now. Listen, so from Tim Buck 2, Chris the Joker, Justin Shoes... And me, Ted Wrongway, your host. Thanks for listening to the Most Like Mind Podcast, where we say stupid crap so you don't have to. Enjoy your ride, kids. <laughs>